0: This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Marissa
1: Scott. If you want to dive into using music for birth and for pregnancy and for postpartum, um, you just have to treat music um, like you would a client, treat your pregnancy like you would a client, so goal-oriented. Every Thing that you're listening to has a goal or there's a there's a purpose for you to choose that music
0: you're listening to the music therapy chronicles a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. I hope you're having a good day and excited to get into music and pregnancy today. This is a topic that uh, someone asked me to do an interview on early on in the show, and I just haven't been able to uh, really get the right person, I guess you could say. So having Marissa on was very exciting for me because I could finally touch on this topic because On top of, obviously, being a mom and a music therapist, Marissa is also a certified labor doula. So in today's episode, we're going to talk more about music and pregnancy. Marissa also runs a private practice, which houses several music therapists as well as an art therapist. And we talk about how she's hoping to expand and incorporate even more therapeutic modalities moving forward. And stay tuned next week to hear more about Mercy's experiences as a certified labor doula and how she bridges that with her music therapy practice. If you are not already subscribed to the show, please take a second to do that and also consider leaving us a review or recommendation specifically on iTunes because it helps the show be more visible, but also just anywhere. Um, it's nice. I really appreciate hearing all your kind words. And it's also nice for people who are kind of like, what is this music therapy chronicles thing? Or even if they don't know what music therapy is to give them an idea of what they're going to be getting from the show. Because the, um, some of the episodes are pretty long, and it can be intimidating to look at that time commitment. Which, ironically, is a great segue into my next point. Uh, Obviously, this interview has been split up into two parts, this being part one. Stay tuned next week to hear part two. But if you are not already following Music Therapy Chronicles on Instagram, Facebook, social media in general, then you may have missed out. I did some stories about the interviews I've been having just being longer Um, Being a full hour or close to it, and uh, me not being sure uh, as I create the episodes if I should be leaving the conversations completely intact and putting out, say, three longer episodes a month, or if you guys, as listeners, really like the weekly episodes uh, and don't mind the conversations being broken up and pretty consistently. Uh, Weekly episodes has won in that poll. So uh, for these longer conversations, I will continue splitting them up so that there are weekly episodes. Uh, If you're confused about that, then that's because I am only allotted so much audio storage space each month and a good way to support that and to change that so we can have weekly episodes and longer episodes if that's what you want. To make that happen, you can become a patron on patreon.com where you can give a monthly donation for as little as a dollar if that's what you're comfortable with. And patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So if there's ever been a guest on the show you really wish that you could have asked some questions to, there's your opportunity. And if you really like the longer episodes and you also want them weekly, this is, again, your opportunity to support that. So... Anyway, that's enough rambling. For this week, enjoy this conversation with Marissa where we dive into her private practice, pregnancy, and music, and subscribe to the show so next week's episode on being a certified labor doula is automatically downloaded to your podcast playing device. All right, Marissa, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for making the time to be on and warm up this morning, or I guess it's officially afternoon. Yeah. Chilly day yeah. here in New England.
1: Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> it is.
0: So to start us off, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so I am a board certified music therapist and I'm also a certified labor doula and um, I'm really passionate about using music with moms and families as they journey into parenthood, um, both you know during pregnancy and also in the postpartum period um, and early childhood years. I got my degree in music therapy, uh, my master's from Leslie, uh, Leslie uh, ooh, Penn, I graduated in 2010, so 10 years ago, mm. um, and uh, opened the Sonatina Center, which is my private practice, um, in September of 2010. So we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, which wow. is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, happy anniversary! Thank you. Yeah,
1: I can't believe it's been 10 years. It feels weird to look back at it and think that it's been 10 years. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. you you did your masters at Leslie. So, what led you to music therapy?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, what well, I knew, I wanted to study music in some way and when I or when I was way back when I was in high school I was really interested in being um sort of in music engineering and music production and what I really wanted to do and what I told my guidance counselor was that I wanted to be the person that picked out the soundtrack songs for movies that's cool (laughs) yeah so I wanted to be like oh you're this is this is the emotion you want to convey we need this kind of music and so I just was really tied to, you know, music and emotion. And I don't know if you've ever kind of watched a movie without sound and just uh, without the music, the feelings and the emotions are totally different. And so that was always really interesting to me. Um, but my, I don't think my guidance counselor quite understood what um, I wanted to do. So they so told me to go to school for communication um, so I ended up at Fairfield University in Connecticut, and they they have a really really tiny small music program, such that I finished every music class they had to offer within my first year, oh, wow. my freshman year of college. Um, so then the professors were like, "Well, you can make your own classes," um, but that didn't that didn't really feel like the right thing because I was supposed to be the student and I don't know it just didn't really feel right so I transferred to UNH um as a composition and theory major um thinking okay well I'll compose music for movies um and then UNH is you know it's a wonderful music school but they really really focus on music education so a lot of like Mm -hmm. the teaching, even if you're in a composition field is really focused on teaching. And I just knew that I didn't want to teach. So I I ended up switching to music history and that's what I graduated with. Wow! And then I graduated and I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I going to do with this? Um, It really has nothing to do with what I want. So then I kind of just took a break and I started nannying for this family. And while I was nannying for them, I noticed how much I was using music to um, there were one, there was a two-year-old and a six-year-old, and so I was I was using music to um, just get them up and out of the house, like let's go. Or, um, you know, when it was nap time, using music to soothe the two-year-old um, and to kind of lull her to sleep, and then um, using music when they were upset or transitioning or anything. We we're just using it all the time, and I I loved every second of it. And so I was thinking, you know, there has to be some kind of thing that's like using music with kids, but not in a teaching way, because I just didn't really want to teach. Um, So I just started, you know, Googling. I think Google was kind of a newer thing. At that time, it was about 2008. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I found music therapy, and I just started studying it, and was finally, you know, decided to go back to grad school, and that was, that was really what I wanted to do. Um, and I really, I really want knew I wanted to focus on families. Um, and so that was moms, dads, you know, kids together. Um, I'm really into attachment theory and, um, you know, how families are, you know, strengthened and how music can play a part in that.
0: Yeah. How cool! So it sounds like you you studied like four or five different things <laughs> through the course of that, which is
1: it was like yeah a winding path to music therapy. Yeah, wow. yeah. I didn't graduate. Um, I, you know, I was yeah, I was probably twenty eight, I think twenty eight or twenty nine when I be- when I became a actual board certified music therapist. So.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you found your way here because this is uh, yeah. super interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: so I want to kind of circle back, but also go forward. So you said you opened the Sonatina Center. It sounds like the same year you graduated with your master's. Um, yeah. So what led you to like start your own thing right away?
1: Yeah. Well, I had a lot of encouragement from my um, my music therapy internship supervisor. And <clears throat> um, at the time in 2010, there was only, I think four or five music therapists in the state. Maybe there were, there were about probably about seven, um, or eight actually, but half of them were working in Massachusetts, but living in the state. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there really, there really weren't a lot of jobs. Uh, it wasn't like I could just apply somewhere to be a music therapist. So, Um, My supervisor, Shannon Lane, had encouraged me to um, write some program proposals and reach out to places to see if um, I could, you know, start a music therapy program somewhere. And so I did that. um, I did a lot of that. I reached out to, so it was a really good way to like introduce myself to the community and network because I must have introduced myself to at least 20 different facilities in the local Seacoast area. Um, just saying, Hey, like I'll be your administrative, you know, receptionist. And on the side, I'll build a music therapy program at your facility. And, um, I got a lot of rejection, Mm. um, but I got a lot of, well, that's really cool, but we wouldn't want it to be a full time, you know, 40 hour per week thing. What if we had you come in and run a one hour group, you know, or what if you came in for an hour and worked with these few clients, um, and so then the next thing I knew I had a private practice. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so that's kind of how it started. Yeah. Um, It, it, it wasn't really purposeful. It just, it just happened that way. And then once, you know, once I kind of realized, oh, you know, this is private practice, then I started kind of putting in the effort to, you know, research and, and take courses and kind of learn all I could about owning a private practice
0: yeah and it's grown since then obviously uh so you said at that time there were what four four music therapists in the state and now you I think have more
1: than that many music therapists on your team plus an art therapist Yeah. yeah yeah we've grown so much I hired my first employee in 2014 originally just to take over um I was having my second child and I wanted to someone to come and you know take over my caseload while i was on maturing leave um and then we just ended up growing really fast from there and um so now we have at the sanatine center we have um well we have three music therapists right now we did have four but one of our um really awesome teammates just got into grad school in germany what? so he, yeah so he's off to germany um and we are down a music therapist, but um, possibly looking for a new one soon. Awesome. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Will.
0: So, anyone out there in the Seacoast region okay. of New Hampshire, stay tuned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah. Do you want to add to that?
1: Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, now in New Hampshire, there's 35 plus music therapists. So I personally am just really proud of how much growth our state has had mm. in the field of music therapy. And the more that that it grows, the more I just, I love it because it really helps us add recognition to our profession. You know, it was hard when, when to say, hi, I'm a music therapist and people hadn't heard of it especially because there's only five or six of us but now with there being 30 it's becoming less common to get that what's music therapy response um and more frequently now we get oh well how do you you know how do you use that or who do you work with
0: yeah i always get we have a new music teacher and they don't know what to do with our class can we put them in contact (laughs) with you like yeah put me in contact with whoever
1: Um, yeah
0: So now you also have a center, right? Like you guys have a hub. What led you to do that?
1: Well, um, that was so. It. I got my first clinical space um, before I had hired any employees, and that was really because travel became a really Mm. a big problem really fast. Um, I couldn't take on any more clients because I didn't physically have the time in my schedule to travel to them and then travel to the next person. So I got a really small space. It was, it was probably six or six and a half feet by nine feet. It was just like this tiny little, probably about the same size as the room I'm in right now. (laughs) But it was real small. And um it was fine for just me and for one-on-ones and then I would travel to my facility. So it, it was able, you know, cut back a ton of my travel time. So I um, didn't have to travel to every single person's home. And then um, once I hired my first employee, we were sharing that space. And Mm. when I came back from maternity leave and we both had our own caseloads, we really quickly realized this space is not going to work for much longer. So we got, a much bigger space and then we which was almost too big for us <laughs> um and so that's around the time that we thought or i thought that it would be a great idea to expand and that's when we added our the art therapy program that so, was my next question we, yeah yeah and that, so originally the name of the practice was sonatina music therapy and we still have a lot of um, like our instrument tote bags all say sonatina music therapy on them Um, but when we hired an, an art therapist, um, I just decided, okay, this is the direction we're going. And eventually I'd like to have a dance movement therapist. And I'd also like to have a play therapist, um, which would be a a licensed mental health counselor with a play special play therapy specialty. Um, so that's kind of the direction we are heading in. Um, but yeah, so then we became a, a center
0: that's so cool um and i don't to my knowledge there's not necessarily another center around yet in in new hampshire that's like doing all of the modalities under one roof under one branch umbrella so that's so cool
1: yeah um i think the closest thing would be probably castle create in manchester i think they but they focus more on um their primary focus is behavioral health uh, mental health Mm. gotcha
0: All right. So I've had some listeners ask me before about to do an episode about navigating pregnancy and like having children as a music therapist. So you're a certified labor doula, which I want to dive into deeper later. But can can you speak to that for anyone who's an expecting parent or anticipating being a parent in the next couple of years? Uh, advice for <laughs> navigating that as a music therapist, as a business owner,
1: um, yeah. So, um, are you? I just want to clarify: Are you asking me to to kind of for other music therapists, or just for general, um, generally for parents? I guess be? both. I, I start where you yeah. want, and we'll see where we go. Well, um, for music therapists, um, I think uh, if you want to dive into using music for birth and for pregnancy and for postpartum, um, you just have to treat music um, like you would a client, treat your pregnancy like you would a client. So goal oriented. Um, Everything that you're listening to has a goal or there's a, there's a purpose for you to choose that music. So um, one of the things that I always see on social media is that just makes me cringe all the time is you know someone will post hey i'm putting together my labor playlist what's what's on your what's the top song on your playlist or give me some songs to put on my playlist Um, and the the i love the idea of people suggesting music i don't like that they say playlist singular Um, Mm. and that's really because labor has so many different layers pregnancy has so many different layers Um, There's parts of labor where you're really wanting to be on your feet, moving, rocking, maybe dancing, slow dancing with your partner, um, walking up and down stairs, really kind of helping your baby and helping with gravity, kind of moving everything downwards. So that's not the same type of music that you want on if you're relaxing in a jacuzzi tub or if you are trying to get some serious deep rest or enter a real kind of real deep relaxed place, you you really don't want to have the wrong music on. So to have it all on one playlist um, is just really um, a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> There's like no other way to say it. Yeah. Um. So, and that being said, um, you know, personal preference in music is really important. So, if, you know, you can still have the songs that you really like, but you just want to make sure they're, they're kind of falling into the right category. So having like a movement playlist, having a relaxation playlist, a meditation playlist, um, different, you know, different categories for different, for whatever the goal is. Um, so for music therapists, like think like a music therapist, treat your, um, what's your goal with the music. Yeah um yeah there was one other thing I was gonna say oh take your time um let's see it was I know uh personal preference and um cool oriented I don't know it'll probably come back to me in a minute
0: that's fine (laughs) that's fine so for um when you were expecting and you hired your first employee to transfer your caseload, can you speak to what that experience was like and how you navigated in and out of that transition?
1: yes, um it was you know it's it's really blurry um yeah. it was really it you was can only imagine really stressful um, I think because when I was pregnant and um I think things are really just heightened when you're pregnant um and this was my second baby but I you know you just want everything to be perfect like you just everything has to be perfect. And I think that's why a lot of moms spend so much time like focusing on their nursery because it's like one of the few things that you can control Mm. during pregnancy. You know, you can't control how your body's going to feel on any given day, but you can control what color the blinds are in your nursery. So I think that's why there's like a hyper focus. But um, it was just, um, it was from the moment that I decided I needed uh, an employee Um, it was just you know paddle to the floor training how do you hire what are the what are the laws in New Hampshire about having an employee like what are what I had to look up employment law Um, I just there was so much to do that um, I honestly and weirdly didn't focus too much on being pregnant Mm -hmm. Um, so it was it was kind of strange because I wouldn't I definitely didn't take as much Um, self-care time as possible that I probably should have Um, but one thing that was really interesting was that was also the same time that I was certifying as a doula and um, I right before my son was born I was taking my um, CMTE um, on sound birthing by Um, Mary D. Camillo. So that was sort of, that was all happening in that like eight month period where I was pregnant. So even though I wasn't really focused on the pregnancy, I was focused on um, learning that, which actually ended up helping me so much during the birth. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the transition, it was just nerve wracking, Um, but it, it went so smoothly that, you know, um, I do have to say, so one of the things that has happened is is from the moment I hired my first employee, it was sort of like, okay, where's the practice going? Like, what are we doing? And mm-hmm. so we would, there was so much trial and error. It was, let's try, let's try this out for documentation. Like, let's try this out for paperwork or let, you know, it just, it was so, it's been up and down. And I feel like really in the last five years, has we've really solidified our like a consistent, um, consistent, like approach, um, just to practice management type of things, um, up, up in the air before that it was really like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, are we doing art therapy or are we not? Because we had a lot of transitions. So yeah.
0: Yeah. From all the people I've talked to on the show who have their own practice, uh, whether that's employment or contract model, a lot of them say that it's trial and error. You like you gotta have a vision, but you gotta also have to try out the things, and you know you'll figure it out as you go. Um, Yeah, but it's still always refreshing to hear.
1: (laughs) We yeah, I mean we've so learned uh, like what doesn't work, what does work. Um, I feel like like right now I'm feeling really confident that we've like. We've got, you know, and there's still always going to be things. There's always going to be things that we try out that don't work. Um, Mm. But, you know, um, I feel like just managing the practice through COVID has made us like, it feels like we're a really strong foundation now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You guys have done an awesome amount of stuff on social media too. My favorite is the, is it, (laughs) get messy with me?
1: Is that the tag?
0: I close, love close.
1: those. Uh, Making a mess with me. Making a mess. Um, yeah, that's one of our, um, it's an art enrichment family. We have a lot of family enrichment programs that we do. And that's one of our toddler um, programs that's normally in, pr- in person. And we tell the kids to come in and wear clothes that they don't mind getting messy. And like the whole point is like, you know, roll those sleeves up because we're going to feel these materials. There's a lot of tactile, um, you know, sensory input that the kids are going to get and um the parents too so it's not just the kids making art it's the parents are supposed to be making art with the kids and everyone's getting their hands dirty i
0: love that i love that so much so before we transition to um our next topic what is your vision for the future for the Tina Center? I know you said you want to have a play therapist. Yeah. You want to have dance movement therapy. Like, do you, do you see a bigger yeah. space? Do you see more going into locations? It's like <laughs> big picture.
1: So one of the things that I, I love right now about Tina is that every provider really has their unique specialty. Mm. So, Um, You know, I really, my specialty obviously is birth and pregnancy um, and the immediate postpartum family. And then I work with infants and toddlers and really young kids um, that maybe have some global developmental delays or even kids that were in the NICU and um, mom and dad didn't get that much time you know, those initial bonding Mm -hmm. days. And so music therapy can kind of help strengthen those bonds and stuff. Um, And then we have, you know, a team member who also does early childhood and school age and special education. Um, We have a music therapist who really focuses on mental health, um, trauma, depression, um, LGBTQ issues, um, just really a lot of social justice issues, really anxiety. Like, so we just have, like, everyone has a unique specialty. So we are, And we're covering such a wide age range. But, but so I'm not covering a wide age range myself, mm. you know, which is really nice. Um, and so as we expand, I, you know, I love that um, I want, like, our team members, our music therapists, and our art therapists, and any other providers that we end up hiring to be able to do that. Um, to figure out what their unique specialty passion is, and then, um, be able to, you know, primarily see those clients at the center. Definitely. I have a dream space. You know, um, we have a beautiful center. We have two individual therapy rooms, two group therapy rooms, and we have a waiting room and a accessible bathroom. We have fantastic parking, um, there's always plenty of parking, the building's accessible. Um, But when, you know, when COVID happened, we realized how much we really wish we had some kind of outdoor space Mm. um, that we could be using maybe for our, some of our family enrichment classes. Our group rooms are just too small for those to happen right now. Mm. Um, So yeah, some, you know, (laughs) I joke all the time about rolling hills, (laughs) I would love to have some really like rolling green hills that we can have like beautiful but private spaces to still have therapy sessions, but have them be outdoors, but still be maintain that privacy that we need.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's, it's interesting how COVID has made all of us in so many areas of our life, like really define and examine what we have and what we need and what
1: we want and to look at it at, in a different lens. Yeah. Another thing that I really want for the Sonatina center, and I think we are, we're definitely on our way towards that is just, um, we want to be a really solid resource for our community. Mm -hmm. Um, we, um, we recently implemented a sliding fee discount program. Um, we really want to help families with lower incomes, um, that get the services they need um, without, you know, having to, you know, necessarily pay the high rates for therapy. Um, So we're working on a scholarship program, Um, just whenever we can, we're trying to connect with other um, like-minded facilities and organizations to, you know, get kids more services um, and get resources for kids and families in the area.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that so much, because uh, it is it is hard to it, balance as a helping professional. You know, I deserve to be paid for my time, and right, like we need money to live and to provide the best services we can. But for so many of the clients or potential clients, that's really difficult for them. So yeah, that's, that's so admirable that you're doing that. Yeah, um, uh, I can't wait to see
1: where that where that takes you yeah it's definitely you know it's hard it it is it's a balance it's not always possible um you know we've tried to make our group therapies um really really low priced um just so that if um someone can't access individual therapy the group therapy could be an option Mm.
0: yeah yeah i love that Admirable of Marissa and the Sonatina Center for starting to implement that sliding scale model. It's awesome to hear about. And just as I said, it can be difficult as music therapists to know our value and know our worth and ask for it. Uh, and as helping professionals, we so often want to put others before ourselves. So this is a great balance to be able to support ourselves financially and also broaden who can access our services because we know music therapy is so important for so many individuals. If you want to hear the rest of my conversation with Marissa, make sure you tune into next week's episode where we're going to dive deeper into certified labor doulaship and how she bridges that with her music therapy practice. If you just want more content throughout the week, you can find us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. As always, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. That link is always in the show notes. And lastly, if you or someone you know wants to be on the show, or if there's someone you want me to reach out to, let me know by sending an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. Our quote today comes from Mr. Fred Rogers. Often, when you think you're at the end of something, you're at the beginning of something else.